Happy belated New Year's, everyone. Loaded Talk is back to distract you with some more in-depth baseball stats and analysis during this crazy political climate. So enough of all this proper stuff. Let's get down to business. I'm your host, Luis Mueller, and welcome to Season 2 of Loaded Talk. Carson won't be with us tonight, but he's moving back to campus sometime this week, so let so next week's episode will be at you know full strength. So on this episode of Loaded Talk, I'm going to make it short and sweet, uh, just try to get you a nice late night, a nice uh, pre-bedtime podcast to listen to, get caught up with the older news and the transactions list, and then next week we'll get into the more current ones and the, the, the bigger transactions that actually happened in this offseason because this offseason has been crazy so far. So, like I said, this episode is short and sweet. We're going to go over the beginning of the offseason back to November 11th. Let's rewind all the way back there. And on that date is when the qualifying offers for all of the uh, qualifying free agents, the QFAs, they were, uh, that was the deadline for qualifying offers. And the New York Mets qualified Marcus Stroman, and he signed the one-year $18.9 million, and so did the starting pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, Kevin Gosman. And those are good signings. I mean, the Mets needed some pitching depth. You have the best pitcher in the Grom. Syndergaard is a toss-up whether he's going to be healthy or not, which is weird um, in of, in of itself because I, I don't I can't remember a healthy season Syndergaard had in re- like a hel- a good healthy season Syndergaard had in re- recent years. Uh, most of the time, his good years are uh, stunted by just just injury or giving up a home run to Connor Gillespie. Uh, but that rotation's good. I mean, you have DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman. You just got, um, you just got Carlos Carrasco from the Francisco, uh, from the Francisco Lindor trade. Um, and you could have Seth Lugo as your fifth man. You could also have that prospect. I think his name is David Peterson. I could be wrong, but I think that's his name. Um, he played for the Mets a little bit last year, and he's been really good. And you still have Rick Purcello, I believe, in your system. You still have Michael Waka, maybe, in your system. I could be wrong. Maybe they were one-year deals, but I thought they, I thought they still had them. Um, but like, like I said, that rotation is gonna be strong now because they have Stroman, and then the Giants. It, it just makes sense. Gosman loves San Francisco. It's a pitcher's ballpark. Why wouldn't he love it? And then the Giants, that's their best pitcher. Why not pay him? Uh, I mean, it's a little bit much for Kevin Gosman, in my opinion. I don't think he's worth eighteen point nine, but I mean, just spoil your your ace a little bit. That works, and it makes him happy, and he makes him want him stay. Maybe he'll take a a home discount next year when he gets a longer deal if he performs well again. So on on both sides, I love this deal. Moving on, it's five days later, November 16th. The Atlanta Braves, they started their busy offseason signing Drew Smiley. They got Drew Smiley. Uh, he's a starting pitcher. He pitched for the Giants last year. He had a pretty good year last year. Um, his stats, let me pull that up real quick. He did sign to only a one-year deal. It's a one-year worth uh, $11 million. Um, and his stats last year, I'm looking at them right now. He had a 376 ERA, which is good, but in only 26.1 innings, he didn't pitch much. Um, and in years past, he hasn't been the best. Uh, but if he could find that form again that he did in 2020 and just continue that throughout the year, that's a good pickup for the Braves, especially because they need that bullpen help. They've needed that, not bullpen, but pitching help in general. I mean, if you look in the playoffs, they were outmatched by the Dodgers because they just didn't have the pitching depth. They didn't have any arms. They had no arms in the pen. So, 
uh, or no arms in the rotation besides Ian Anderson and um, Max Freed. Mike Soroka was hurt. I mean, you, the more pitches you can get if you're Atlanta, the better. They should have went after you, Darvish, but, I mean, the Padres just ca- balling out. They're, they're, they're cashing out. All right, fast forward to November 23rd, right around Thanksgiving time. The Baltimore Orioles release, they, excuse me, they released Renato Nunez. Okay, now Renato Nunez, I was really dumbfounded by this because it makes no sense for Baltimore to do that. Renato Nunez isn't that old. He's not that young. He's, I think he's in his, he might be 30 on the dot, actually. Maybe a little bit younger. Um, but I do know that he had a pretty decent season last year and he's 26 actually. He's much younger than I thought he was. He's 26. So he's young. He fits that young core that they're going to have to try to build. And he had a good slash last year at 256, 324 and 492. That's about like an 800 OPS, I would say. And that's not bad. That's not too shabby. I mean, it's not a all-star, but I mean, it's probably one of the better hitters on Baltimore. So he could have been used as a trade piece for a playoff team that needed a third baseman, or he could have been used for um, just, you know, having good players on the team, just having some something for your fans to cheer for and go see. But they just released him for nothing. I don't. He shouldn't have been too much money. Um, so that's an interesting move for me. I don't like it. I think they should have extended him or just signed him to a one-year deal and maybe trade him at the deadline if he was performing well again. That would have been their best bet. But the next day, we had some huge news. Again, the Atlanta Braves, is why I said a busy offseason. They signed Charlie Morton to a one-year $15 million deal. And now this one surprised me. It came out of nowhere, uh, at least for me, because I expected Morton to re-sign with the Rays. I didn't think he – I thought he was going to entertain the Atlanta Braves because Atlanta's right outside Florida, and, you know, he has, he has family in Florida, um, and that's where his main house is. So I knew he would, I guess, play with the Atlanta Braves, see what they would offer him, but I didn't think he would actually go through with it. And now, if you look at the the future transactions with the Rays, you get Charlie Morton, you lose him to free agency, you lose Blake Snell to the Padres because you trade him, and now who's in that rotation? That rotation is, it got skinned. I mean, yes, you still have a couple of good arms. You have Yarborough, who's really good. You have Tyler Glass now, who's really good. But it's not as deep as everyone looked at it this year. So it's going to be a different look from the Rays this year. It's going to be interesting. But for, from the Braves' perspective, this is a great signing. Charlie Morton is a Game 7 stud. He didn't get the chance to get uh, game, the ball in Game 7 this year uh, in the World Series because it only went 6. But the Braves need a Game 7 pitcher. They need someone that they can rely on in the postseason, and Charlie Morton might be that guy for them because he's so good in the postseason. So that's a really good signing by the Braves, stacking up that that talented, that young, talented team with some veteran presence that know how to perform well in the playoffs. That's just a really good signing. And then almost a week later, you have the Kansas City Royals signing Michael Taylor. They also had a really busy offseason. You'll, you'll see later. Uh, but, I mean, this is an easy signing. They're just trying to get a team that could compete. I wouldn't say it's a threat, but they're trying to get a team together that could compete. If need be, they might have to make a couple moves just to, like, maybe sneak into a wild card. I doubt it. The AL is a little bit too top-heavy. But, 
I mean, it's a good signing nonetheless. Michael Taylor, he gets to boost up his uh, his value in this one-year deal with Kansas City. And Kansas City gets a center fielder that they – a good defensive center fielder that they've been missing since Lorenzo Cain. So that, that's a pretty good signing for me, in my opinion. And then the Miami Marlins trade for Adam Simber um, of the Cleveland Indians. Um Again, not really that big of a deal, just a name that I know and a, a name that I know is could be a good relief pitcher. I think this is a good move for the Marlins. They needed some bullpen help in the in the playoffs. And, I mean, if they can get back in the postseason, that would be huge for the Marlins, and it would be totally unexpected. But it wouldn't – it would be a how, – how do I put this? It would be totally unexpected for them to make it in back-to-back years. But if they do, Adam Simber's trade will look good because they will have that bullpen help now. That's what I was trying to say. All right, moving on again. We're Like I said, it's going to be a short, sweet episode. This is just a preview to Season 2. Kind of a preview, not really. It's like a half episode, not a full episode, because next week will be our first full episode. Carson will be there. It'll be great. All right, fast forward a couple more days to December 1st, 2020, and Kansas City signs Mike Miner, the starting pitcher. He played for the Rangers. He was a free agent, and he went over to Kansas City, and he actually pitched pretty well for the Rangers two years ago. I think he had 200 strikeouts. Let's look. I'm going to look up his stats right now. Um, He played for the Athletics last year, actually. In 2019, he was an all-star. He had, where is his K's? Where are the strikeouts? Oh, they're not showing me the strikeouts. That's weird. Sorry, I'm very congested right now. Anyway, he had a 3.59 ERA in 2019. And then last year, he didn't pitch that well. But, I mean, it's a good back-end guy. I mean, for the the Royals, Mike Miner would be a pretty good guy to mentor the younger guys in their rotation. Maybe help out Brad Keller in the top of the rotation. Um, and they only signed him for two years, $18 million. So it's not like they're they're going to be handcuffed in the future anytime soon. It's not like they're going to have to sign anyone anytime soon. So this is a good signing for both guys. It's uh, it's multiple years for Mike Miner because he's older. And then for Kansas City, it just makes sense because you don't have anyone anyway. Then, excuse me, you go the next day and the Mets start a very busy offseason so far and they get Trevor May, a relief pitcher from the Minnesota Twins, to a two-year, $15.5 million deal. And I like this. I like this a lot because one thing with the Mets, for me, for I don't know why, you have a decent bullpen. Seth Lugo could be a closer. You have Edwin Diaz, who's trying to find his form again. He looked really good last year. And then you had Dylan Batances. I don't know if he's still on that team. I think he has one more year in his deal. He played pretty well. And, like, it makes sense for them to have a good bullpen, but for some reason, in my head, it just doesn't... Like, every time it's late in the game, like, oh, the Mets are going to blow it. They're not going to close it out. They're going to blow it. I never feel... If I was a Met fan, I would never feel secure in a in a lead if it wasn't more than three in late in, late in the game. And Trevor May is a good relief pitcher, and that would be a good... That's going to be a good bolster to that bullpen that probably needs it, to be honest. That's probably the weakest part of the Mets, so... They could find some more help if they could get maybe Liam Hendricks, maybe a George Springer for the center field, the whole center field. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be a dangerous Mets squad, man. You're you're gonna you're gonna see a very dangerous Mets team. 
All right, then in five days after that signing, on December 7th, the Cincinnati Reds traded Rachel, or Rachel Iglesias and cash to the Los Angeles Angels for no Ramirez and future considerations. And this I like. I like this trade a lot. So the Reds, I don't like it for it. They didn't really get much for it. No Ramirez. I mean, I don't know much about him, but if I don't know much about him, then I don't really think it's that big of a deal. Let's look. He's not probably that big of a piece. He had a 4.35 ERA. Oh, he's projected to have a 4.35 ERA. I think he's a starter. Yeah, I think he's a starter. And he, he had a pretty good year last year, actually. Yeah, no, he had a pretty good year last year. He's His ERA is progressively going down, actually. So, I mean, it's not a terrible pickup, but it's not it's not something to, like, take two glances at. But Rachel Iglesias... Uh, to the Angels is a really good pickup for the Angels because they need bullpen help. They really need bullpen help. I want them to go out and sign Bauer or Liam Hendricks, one of the two, because they need bullpen help a lot. The Phillies had the worst bullpen in the MLB ERA-wise, but if you take into consideration the amount of blown saves the Angels had, they're in contention for having the worst bullpen in the league too. So this is a really good move for the Angels. It's an okay move for the Reds. Not much. Iglesias didn't have that good of a season last year, so his value is low. You got what you got out of it, and you just got to move on. And the very next day, this is the biggest news I'm covering today. This is the last thing I'm covering today. Like I said, it's going to be a short and sweet episode. You have the Kansas City Royals signing Carlos Santana to a two-year deal for $17.5 million. And, I mean, that's not terrible. I like it. It's a Kansas City squad that's trying to compete somehow. Or not trying to compete, but trying to just be 500 at the bare minimum. They're not a good team by a long shot. But give them a couple years. Give them a couple free agency signings. And you'll see this team start to be better and better and better. And this is what they're doing. They're just trying to stay afloat. Trying to stay relevant, I guess. In, uh, not, not trying to become the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Detroit Tigers. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to stay away from hitting that that rock bottom where the Orioles were a couple years ago, where the Tigers are now and where the Pirates are now. They're trying to avoid that right now with this signing, and I like it. I mean, if he plays well, guess what? He's getting shipped out at the deadline for some prospects back, and that's exactly what the Royals need, so this is a really good signing. You have him for two years. He's going to produce for you. He's going to give you that offense that you need because you don't really have one more. um, You don't really have an offense anymore. Besides maybe Salvador Perez. And even then, he can't do everything for the the team. So this is a good pickup for the Royals. I like it. And then the biggest news is the Texas Rangers trading away Lance Lynn to the Chicago White Sox for Dane Dunning and Avery Weems. So I don't know much about Avery Weems, but Dave Dunning, I know, pitched in the playoffs. I'm pretty sure he did. He came in game five. Dave Dunning stats. Oh, it's Dane. <laughs> All right, Dane Dunning stats. Let's go to baseball reference. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, in the postseason, he didn't pitch, actually. Oh, no, he did. He pitched two, uh, two-thirds of an inning. Yeah, 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 he pitched two-thirds of an inning. He didn't give up a run, though. He got a three-whip. Jeez. Okay, so that's really not much to go off of. What did he do in the regular season? Did he have a good year? What the heck? 
Let's see. Sorry, guys. I should have done this before. Yeah, 397. Okay, yeah. So, Dane Dunning actually isn't a bad piece to get for Lance Lynn. I actually like this trade for the Rangers. It gets them younger, finally. Instead of signing Corey Kluber or trading for Corey Kluber and Lance Lynn, what are you doing? You're not going to compete anytime soon. You need to get prospects. So, good moves getting Dane Dunning and, I guess, Avery Williams. Don't know much about him. And for the White Sox, sorry. And for the White Sox, great move. Love it. You have da Dallas Keiko and Lance Lynn now to, I guess, um, run that that rotation and help Michael Kopech. Help. I, Lucas Giolito doesn't need, need any help. He's the ace. But, I mean, like, teach the younger guys, the, the guys who are coming up in their, their farm system, because I know they have a good farm system, or they have a couple of good pitchers that are young that need the mentoring. These guys, could, Lance Lynn and um, Dallas Keiko could be that mentor for those young guys. And I think that's going to be a good look for the White Sox. It's the same thing I said last year when they got Dallas Keuchel. I love it. I'm a huge fan. They're going to be really good. They are probably going to win the division. They just need uh, Luis Robert, Luis Robert, to actually be consistent. And they need good a good year out of all of their young guys, and they'll be fine if they could get a good year out of all of their young guys, and they all live up to their expectation and their potential. Then. Watch out, because the White Sox are going to be the team to beat. Alright, so unfortunately, that's all the time we have on this episode of Loaded Talk. And if you enjoy what you're hearing, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Loaded underscore Talk, where you put out show updates, our baseball opinions, and retweet slash tweet out baseball news in real time. On our Twitter, we have our link tree pinned to the top of the page, where you can send us audio clips through anchor.fm of what you think about today's topics. That's at loaded underscore talk and we want to start incorporating you in our episode so thanks for listening and we can't wait to listen to some of you guys so i'm signing off happy new year's everyone